Brigham is Brigham is Emily Tucker coded. <laughs> yeah, where I'm like, okay, we don't have to talk about it, but like, do you need some soup? Welcome to All My Friends Are English Majors, the podcast where I, a business major, make my friends, almost all English majors, read popular fiction with me. This month is Graceling Month. We are reading my my favorite book series of all time. Um, and this week is Fire. We're reading a book called Fire. Bailey's here. Hi, Bailey. Hey. I'm sitting right next to my friend Emily Tucker. Yeah. This book is very different than the first book. It's the, it is a prequel where we kind of find out about Lex Orange Story. Or, Orange Story. Orange Story. I'm looking at my tangerine LaCroix. <laughs> that she calls her orange juice. Yeah. We are recording at 10 a.m. and she's drinking a tangerine LaCroix. <laughs> well, it's not open yet, so I'll That's have it. to decide if I want to make us stop talking so I can open the LaCroix. <laughs> also, I'm always, it makes me burp. And then I'm, like, burping while I'm trying to, like, do an audio medium. So maybe we'll wait till after. <laughs> the LaCroix can be for the car ride to St. Louis. Yes. Yeah, I think we should just get into it. That mm-hmm. I have a lot to say. Yeah. Okay, so the first thing that I want to read is actually the front of the book, which is a quote from Juno Diaz, who wrote The Brief and Wondrous Life of Oscar Wow. And the quote on the front says, Kishore is wonderful, tough, and nuanced. Everything you could want from a writer. I think she is tough. Yeah. She gets it. She does get it. Mm-hmm. We will explain more <laughs> what that means. Um, now, this is some dramatic ass, like, 2012, like, description. Mm-hmm. She has been hidden away. Now she is choosing to use her power. Oh god, okay. It is not a peaceful time in the Dells. Young King Nash clings to the throne while rebel lords in the north and south build armies to unseat him. War is coming. The mountains and forests are filled with spies and thieves. This is where Fire lives, a girl whose startling appearance is impossibly irresistible and who can control the minds of everyone around him. Except Prince Brigham. <laughs> See, and that is so dramatic because there is a love story that is pretty integral to the plot because this is a story about fire. Mm-hmm. But also, like, she's doing a lot more than, like, having issues with Prince Brigham. Yeah, and, like, he really is not... I mean, obviously he's a main character, but, like, he has, I would say, like, equal page time to like archer and um even a fucking like mila and Musa <laughs> and neil like this kind of screams um you cannot get a teen fantasy book about a woman published without a love story yeah because this is how you would write the back cover for jane Eyre. Mm. jane is a little orphan she is dealing with this that and the other she has such a strong sense of justice and a moral backbone, and the only person who can get her to, like, 
do like is Lord the dark Wembley. No, the, the, the dark and brooding Mr. Rochester. Oh, Mr. Like, Rochester. like this is what it that's what that reads like. Is like here's the description of the book, the plot that pushes it forward. Mm-hmm. And then here's her boyfriend. Yeah. Which is equally as important as her like fucking mind reading and controlling power disagree i have thought a lot about how these books are really difficult to adapt partially because they are not written in first person so it's like hard to like do like a point of view and also because like there's so much like and fire reached into his mind and like probed out her brain with her little brain fingers (laughs) what it's gonna be cheesy yeah you could make a cartoon that would be fun be sick like Graceling anime, yeah. Why not? Yeah, I'd watch it. Because, because like, no real person is going to look as cool than what your imagination is cooking up. Yeah, and that is true. And that is the thing about imagination. <laughs> <laughs> well, and like, think about like the Hunger Games, where Katniss is like a good archer and like generally able to get by she's like very human in that in Mm -hmm. the way that like suzanne collins has written it but like katza and fire are like inhuman Mm -hmm. in the way that they move about in the world and that is like very clear and that is another reason i think it would be really hard to adapt is it would be cheesy as fuck yeah i'd still watch it though yeah you know about me (laughs) Let's see. Let me let me get your your opinion. Did you like this book? I did like this book. I do think, well, I think I okay, full disclosure, I just finished reading it like less than an hour ago. <laughs> I listen, going from audiobook to the physical copy back and forth is really disorienting. Um, but I think if I were to say like make a like right now I have to decide I think I like Graceling better but I really did like this book a lot okay (laughs) (laughs) yeah I was worried specifically about this one because I think that it is um it it kind of it starts with I guess I should summarize it so that we can start talking about the things that I was worried about, specifically how straight it is and how terrible Archer is. Yeah, so <laughs> Okay, so we are once again changing it up a little bit. We're going to do, like, a little bit of a longer summary, like, maybe five or six minutes. That way we can really get the bones there for you guys, and then we're going to really dig in on what we like. I have never put more quotes into an outline How than I did. How many times have you read this book also? Oh, so many. Okay. Probably once a year for the last, like, six years. Okay, got it. Um, it is so beloved to me because mm-hmm. these, these women that she's writing are really, really accessible in the way that they are figuring out their emotions and figuring out their place in the world and like trying to have a sense of justice and a sense of like, like what is good and what is bad and like their relationships to, with other and others and how that matters like all of that is really I think integral to the way that Kristen Kishore writes and so it's very comfortable Mm -hmm. to read them and comforting as well I think Mm -hmm. okay 
I'm going to summarize. Yeah. I was like, I have much to say, but that's <laughs> not going to make any sense. Okay. So we start in a new land called the Dells. It starts with a chapter right at the beginning where Lek and his father fall through the mountains. And it becomes clear that Lek has had this grace even before his eyes changed. His father says, like, I held him as a baby and he calmed me. Like, it's very, like, he was in charge. He could, like, speak in full sentences by the time he was two. Like, the boy's a freak. Mm -hmm. And then they fall through the mountains into the dells because they were trying to hide Lek from the king who he would have belonged to in the Graceling land. And so they fall through the mountains and enter the dells. And then we kind of leave them there. And we meet Fire, who starts the book by getting shot by an archer. And then the hunter is like, ah, I didn't mean to shoot you. I don't know what happened. But he's kind of empty headed in the way that we understand as people who have read Graceling. Probably means that King Lek has been putting his little balloon of confusion into their brain. So fire is shot and we meet um Brocker and Archer. Brocker is Archer's father and Archer is fire's both neighbor and lover. The things you need to know about Archer is he's a really, really talented, like bows, bow shooter, bowman. <laughs> um, and that he is possessive of fire, not because he feels like he is deserving of her beauty or herself, but because he, like, I guess I should explain. Fire is a monster. In this land, there are regular things and there are monstrous things. So if you had a cat that is Barney-colored, like gray and white, that would be a cat. And then if you had a cat that was, like, lime green and orange, that would be a monster cat. And the only difference is monsters are, like, hungry for blood and they're specifically hungry for, like, other monster blood. Fire is a monster. She looks like a regular human, except her she is, like, two others, extraordinarily beautiful. And her hair is, like, the color of a sunset. Like, the kind that people were kind of obsessed with dyeing their hair in, like, 2017. All bright colors, kind of crazy, crazy. Um... And she lives in the mountain, in the north, kind of on her own, because her father was the monster advisor to the king, and he was a bad man. His name was Cancerol. Cancelable Cancerol. Oh. Put them together. Oh, we got him. <laughs> I did not even think of that. Um, and he, ha they, the other thing you need to know about monsters is they have the ability to kind of overtake your mind with their beauty and with their presence. And so Katza lives on her... Ah! So Fire mm -hmm. lives on her own so that she really doesn't have to deal with people's reactions to her. Um, Cancerol didn't care about that. He lived in the capital city. He did a lot of drugs with the king. He generally is the reason that the Dells is on the brink of war. So, Katza gets shot, and Fire then... Fire gets shot. Why am I doing that? It's tough. <laughs> I don't know why I'm doing that. So, when Fire gets shot, Archer gets mad. They decide to go to the Queen's Fort to visit her to try to figure something out about this Archer. Not Archer. 
the the hunter who shot her looks. That makes it confusing, I will say, in this book, especially when you're listening to the audiobook and it's like Archer, Archer, the Archer. Yeah. And I'm like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that makes sense. Um and Fire's like, well, I want to come because I like Queen Rowan. She is not empty-headed, and she does not ever, like, make me uncomfortable. Or, like, I never feel a heightened sense of her being kind of like, oh, my God, Fire looks really hot right now. So mm-hmm. I want to mm-hmm. hang out with her. And she gets there right at the same time as the first segment of the army is getting there. And this is where we meet Brigan and Nash, who are the king's sons. Brigan. Brigan is the commander of the armies, and Nash is now king, because King Nax has, has died. And when she meets Brigan, he looks at her with so much hatred in his eyes that she falls to the ground. Like, it's like, ah, I'm giving too much detail, I think. But I do love this book so dearly. So she meets Nash and Brigan, and then they have to go out, but there's a big swarm of raptor monsters. So Fire decides to sneak out and then attract all the raptor monsters to herself by uncovering her hair. And then she rides her horse as fast as she can back to the fort and her and her horse live. And all of the men who would have been killed by the raptor monsters also live. So like this is telling us that Fire is brave, that Brigan is brave, that like lots is happening. Then she goes home. And Brigand shows up in the north and is like, we need you to come to the king's city so we can talk more about the empty-headed hunter and the guy you felt in the king's room. And also, we're going to convince you to spy for the court because you can see in people's brains. So she travels with Brigand. They, like, fall more into mutual respect for each other, I think, is Mm -hmm. how it starts. And then she gets to court. Here's some important things that happen while she's at court. She finds out that Brigand has a daughter named Hannah. She makes friends with Clara and Garen, who are the king's bastard children. So they have a high up spot in court, but they are not in the line of secession. Um, her and Brigand fall more in love, and Fire begins spying for the court. That's a big chunk of the book, and then Fire gets into the heads of two of the people who are the rebel lords who are trying to take over the camp and it kind of turns her brain to mush but they get killed they find out the information that they need to kind of make sure the war goes better for the people we are rooting for and then when she's walking home after using her brain so 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 much king Lech shows up and tricks her into coming into a courtyard and kidnaps her while she is kidnapped she is taken to the north. She feels the the I I kind of want to call them the balloon brained people. The like the <laughs> sure. the like mist that goes into their brain when Lek talks to them. That fire then like pops like a balloon. Yeah, the Lek influences. <laughs> um, she gets taken all the way up north. She escapes. She finds Archer's body because he has been killed by Lek, and. Two of her fingers are frostbitten, and she can't play the fiddle anymore, and it's actually very sad. But I guess I haven't talked about that at all yet. Um, And then she gets back down to the fort, where everyone is. 
She decides she doesn't want to be friends with anyone ever again because... Because <laughs> Archer's dead. Because <laughs> Archer's dead and everyone keeps dying and she doesn't want to be friends with soldiers because they'll just die too. <laughs> and then she discovers she's really a talented healer because she can ease people's pain. And she starts to chill out and she kind of... I think she kind of just like moves through the stages of grief. <laughs> and then they win the war. Yeah. That's... Ba- yeah. That, yeah. That once I stopped, it. once I stopped giving as much detail, <laughs> it helped a little bit. I just, there's so many things that I want to, that I want to talk about that are so good. I don't even think I could have given a summary of this book truly. Like yesterday I was walking my dog with my boyfriend and I was like, let me tell you about this book called Graceling that I read and recorded a podcast about. And I feel like I did, I mean, the entire walk I was talking and like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, like <laughs> recap of it. But it was like, in a way, a little bit easier to follow for me. Graceling was fire is like, there's so, Tugger had to draw me a little like chart of who was who. So I could like look at that and figure out what the hell was going on. <laughs> this is not an easy one to listen to on audiobook. I think specifically yeah. because like there's no, there's no grid written at the front. There's no like family tree drawn, but part of that is because people's parentage is a surprise multiple times in this book. Yeah, I did the quote or my little addition to the outline is the theme of this book is everyone is a bastard child. Brigand, bastard child. Fire, bastard child. Clara Arch- and Garen, bastard child. Ar- Arch- Archer. Archer, bastard child. Yes. Hello. I'm missing someone. Mila and Clara, both going to have bastard, bastard children. children. Yeah. Like, that was another thing that I was worried about you not liking in this book was the amount of pregnancy in it. I, it was, yeah, it was okay. I think Fire's, like, point of view of, like, the women around her who are pregnant was really interesting because Archer gets two of her, like, close friends pregnant at the same time. Because dies. <laughs> well, and he's also so mad at her because she's like, I don't want to be your lover anymore. I just want to be your friend. And he's like, well, oh, so you hate me? Yeah. He's like, well, how can I be friends with you if I'm not having sex with you? It's, yeah. He's sucks about it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I also think that all of the pregnancy in this book is really interesting because, like, fire doesn't want to have children for different reasons than Katza. Mm-hmm. Katza doesn't want to have children because she needs to be able to move and be free and it like would very much so trap her. Mm-hmm. And Fire does not want to have children because she has she feels she has a personal responsibility to all of the Dells to have no more human monsters. Yeah, and I think I would even phrase it as, like, she, there are, like, many instances in the book where she is really upset because she can't have children. Like, she decided for herself that she can't have children for, like, the greater good, but she does, like, yearn for them. Like, she loves children, and she, like, wishes she could be pregnant and, like, have a child, but is aware that that is not something that 
would go over well, probably. <laughs> no, because you really have no control over, like, what is interesting, and I don't think that Kristen is trying to make any, like, insane statements about nature versus nurture, but, like, what is interesting is Cancerol is the worst. Mm -hmm. He is very bad for the kingdom, but when he comes home to visit Fire, he is a, a father to her, and he helps her understand, like, like, there's a quote in Graceling when Katza gets her essentially, like, lady's maid who had had a Graceling child and, like, she goes up to Katza when Katza's, like, 11 and is like, has anyone told you about periods? <laughs> yeah. And Katza's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And she's like, oh, so they were just going to let you, like, run around the castle freaking out because no one was going to explain to you what was going on. Well, I'm going to help you. Mm-hmm. Like, that is kind of how I feel about Cancerol's relationship to Fire, as he comes home and he's like, I need you to understand yourself. Mm -hmm. It is important for your personal safety for you to understand yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, But, like, that's a bad man. Yeah. And it was his nature, I think, to be bad and to be selfish. Mm -hmm. But he was not with Fire. It's just interesting. I will say, the first time that I read this book, I did not like it very much. I really wanted it to be Graceling, and it's not Graceling. Katza, would you describe Katza as soft in Katza any way? Oh, Katza. No. Uh, no. <laughs> no, I would not. And I was kind of expecting another Katza-style heroine. Mm -hmm. And Fire is really soft, mm -hmm. and she's really unsure, and she kind of waffles back and forth during the book between, like, anger and acceptance about the way that people react towards her. Like, remember when she looks in a mirror to figure out if she, like, looks ugly because the king, like, hit her in the face and gave her a black eye and, mm -hmm. like, bruised her, and she looked in the mirror and she's, like, taken aback by her own beauty and is, like, ha! and, like, gets rid of the mirror. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, that is, I think, just, like, a good example of how she doesn't, she doesn't know sometimes what she's responsible for and what she's not responsible for. And, like, it's I also don't... very unrelatable looking in the mirror and being like, God, I'm too beautiful. <laughs> well, and at the end of the book, when she's talking to Brigan in the epilogue after she's been bitten, like, 162 times by, like, monster mosquitoes, mm -hmm. she's, like, pissed and itchy and uncomfortable, and she's like, I'm always gonna be beautiful, and I'm, and I don't feel that way. Mm -hmm. And Brigan's like, oh, you're always gonna be beautiful. <laughs> like, he's like, boo-hoo, sucks for me. Yeah, which, which is funny. It was funny. <laughs> yeah, if he had said that at the beginning of the book, I would have been like... I'll cut you with a knife! This man! <laughs> Get him out of here! Yeah, no, it is funny. But I think things that we should talk about that we, that she does in this book, that we liked in the first book, are like all of the things that like, are good. Mm -hmm. So, I will say also I love this book now, but mm -hmm. the first time I read it, I really was like, coming off that high of reading Graceling mm -hmm. for the first time, and I was like, this is not the same! It is not, yeah. That's also kind of, like, what threw me for a loop a little bit when I finished Graceling, is I was like, wow, this is set up to, like, Kristen really, like, sets it up to have a sequel, like, at the end with, like, many things that could happen and still need to happen, and I'm like, 
okay, sick, like, next book, we're gonna be reading about all that, and then this book ends up being a prequel with, like, literally the only same character as Lek, and he's, like, barely in the book. And I was like, oh, uh, what? <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> it's really jarring. Mm-hmm. But it is written in the same trauma-informed way. Yes. It still has so many of those, like, sweet sentences that you're like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, that is how human emotion works. And I am so glad. And I am, I think that Kristen writes characters that you want to root for mm-hmm. in a different way than a lot of authors write characters that you want to root for Mm -hmm. like i feel like i feel like i am so inside of fire's brain but not not first person Mm -hmm. in a way that is so 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 good yes once again we love books that are not written in first person (laughs) i was thinking about this earlier i could if i was going to write a book i would have to write it in first person because i'm literally too stupid (laughs) To try to figure out how to not write it in first person. Yeah, like, like, I would be like, I, I don't know what, and that I think is maybe the, the showing of a talented writer or a writer has worked really hard to hone their craft is like someone who, like, has moved past having to use I statements mm-hmm. to, to show you what they want to. Mm-hmm. I mean, you wrote that she writes people who are reacting to things in rational ways. And when they're being irrational. That's so true. There are, like, what are, like, other instances other than, like, fire deciding she's, like, I cannot love anyone ever again because Archer died. And that, like, you're, like, yeah, that's fair. Or when she... Which um, is, like, an irrational thing to do for her. Like, when she says to the king, like, I don't want to be your friend because you're going to die. And mm -hmm. he kind of has to be, like... Fire. Everyone dies. Like, sweetheart, everyone dies. Mm-hmm. Like, Garen, who you love, mm-hmm. is could die of an illness, and Clara mm-hmm. could die in childbirth. Like, everyone that all of us love, like, has the capacity for death. Mm-hmm. But, like, I, well, I think people reacting to things in rational ways Fire has a lot more physical limitations than Katza did. Yeah. And the way that Katza is, like, barely scarred, Mm -hmm. whereas, like, Fire has been being attacked all her life for what she is and what she represents. Mm -hmm. And she, like, is covered in scars. Mm -hmm. Fire cries when she gets overwhelmed because her head hurts and her nose is broken. Mm -hmm. And, like, Brigand goes to to set her nose mm. and she reacts like you react getting a strep test <laughs> oh, where, God. where she just starts hitting Brigand <laughs> to try to get him off of her. Um, it's her, just the same. A strep test and a broken <laughs> Her anger at the fact that she like can't control the way that people react towards her. Like mm-hmm. Nash at the beginning like comes and like immediately just starts making out with her. Yeah, he like shoves her against a wall and like tries to kiss her and does kiss her and she like shoves him off of her with her brain and tries to hide away from him and then she gets so mad that she turns back around. She takes control of her his mind and is like Apologize to Apologize me. to me. Yeah, you fucking asshole. <laughs> Don't act like this. Mm-hmm. Brigand's rationality of hating fire mm-hmm. for what she represents and like because Cancerol had tried to kill him so many times mm-hmm. and then him changing and her changing and like it's very like 
makes sense to have this this hatred or this mistrust of someone and then you are changed by their actions like that that is how normal human relationships work yeah it's not just like i am immediately in love with this person because he is beautiful and brooding it's like wow this guy really scares me and i don't know if i can trust him and then like over time and things happening and conversations occurring it's like oh okay maybe he's not like a piece of shit well and my my other rational reaction is fires anger at brocker when he discovers what he did to alice yes yes so lord brocker was the commander of nax's army so the dead king and then for some reason one day brocker's legs are shattered um and he is sent back to his northern estate and also, a man is sent to his northern estate to rape his wife mm. as punishment for what Brocker did. Mm-hmm. And when we find out what Brocker did, it's very, very, very late in the novel. Fire keeps just, like, hearing tough truths. Yeah. Like, she just finds things out that mm-hmm. people have been keeping a secret from her. And this secret is that Brocker is Brigham's father. Brigan is also a bastard, um, but because he is Rowan's son, and Rowan was queen, queen, and Nax would never admit he was cuckolded, Brigan gets to be be a prince. Mm-hmm. And Fire's anger is a couple things. She's mad at Brocker for what he caused to happen to Alice. Mm-hmm. She's mad at Brocker because he didn't get to be Brigan's father. Mm-hmm. And she's also upset because she still isn't talking to Brigan. And she is like, he should be a northern lord. Mm-hmm. He should be tilling his fields. He should not be out here at like 23 years old running the king's armies and potentially dying when I love him. Mm. Yeah. That is all really rational, and it is also irrational for her to, like, specifically the things with Brigan and Archer and how they could have used studying forces in each other's lives, like, that I think is a little irrational. It's a little, it's a little fortune telly, mm-hmm. where she's like, well, Archer wouldn't be dead if Brigan was actually his brother. Yeah. And I was like, well. And Brocker kind of has to be like, well, Archer wouldn't be here. Yeah. And Archer probably would have gotten himself killed anyway in some other fashion because he is kind of the worst. (laughs) He has redeeming qualities, but we will discuss. Um, Other things that Kristen does that we liked from the first book, she writes people that have physical limitations in a very human way. Mm -hmm. So Garen was sick when he was a child and now he is prone to fevers. Fire, like, does not have limitless power, which mm-hmm. we'll talk about more when we talk about fire in general. Mm-hmm. But, like, one of my favorite quotes from a book and something that I think about sometimes when I'm drunk <laughs> and, like, a little bit, like, loosey-goosey in my body mm-hmm. is, um, like, fire has used her brain a ton, a ton, a ton, and she's really tired. And she, Kristen says... She brought each of her ankles up to her hands, vaguely suspecting that if she did it the other way, reaching her hands down to her feet, that her head would fall off and roll away. Yeah, I got that so hard when she was discussing it. (laughs) She had just been knocked out, though. Yeah, she was having a bad time. Yeah. 
I I actually really love when people are acting like their body's a bowling ball. Yeah. <laughs> it's very relatable. It's really relatable. Yeah. Um, Brocker is in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. So he, like, doesn't really go anywhere. Mm-hmm. He hangs out in his northern estate. Mm-hmm. And, like, Archer is, um, I guess this is not a- limitation is he's fucking stupid. <laughs> Which I guess is an emotional limitation. Yeah. Because I'm sure, what I've been thinking about a lot is Archer had, like, really, really, really prolonged exposure to fire. And he could shut her out mentally and just like send her a thought or two every once in a while Mm -hmm. but i am wondering if it is a little bit like um building a tolerance like even if you have a high alcohol tolerance you're still you still have alcohol in your system you Mm -hmm. know and i'm wondering if his possessiveness of fire and his want to keep her safe Mm-hmm. was in some way, even if he could not admit it to himself, like, because he wanted to possess her and because he, to a point, like, could could not stop himself from, like, wanting to, like, own her in some way. Yeah. He has some redeeming qualities just, like, as Fire's best friend, I think. But, like, he as a person is still, like, I'm going to get two women pregnant. And that's going to cause a lot of trauma for my, for them, one. And also for my ex-lover best friend who is becoming friends with them. Fire has never had friends before. Which is, which I think is a theme in these books also. Is, like, isolated women. There's that, and there's also, he does potentially one of the most unforgivable things in the book, which is that he, so Fire, Cancerol had been teaching Fire how to better control people, and Fire refused to do it on the servants, so he was letting Fire into his mind, and Fire was getting news from the cities that Cancerol was trying to kill Brigan and everything was on the brink of war. And it became very, very clear to her that Cancerol was the crux of the problems mm-hmm. and that the Dells had a chance if Cancerol was gone. Mm-hmm. So he had been letting her practice on him and he let her practice on him one night when she was like 15 and she tricked him into going to where he kept his monsters in cages in the back. And opened a cage and let him, like, and had his, like, monster kill him. Mm-hmm. So she faked the suicide of her own father, which after you find that out, you can go back and you can kind of see that that is being hinted at, I think. But Archer gets angry at her one day and says to her, like, in front of. Brigan and Clara and Nash and her guard, her guard and Garen says like, basically like, of course you would think that this is fine. Like how someone who faked the suicide of their own father could of course think that this is fine. Mm -hmm. Basically Mm -hmm. this being like controlling people's minds in the book to for their own personal gain. 
for the good of the Dells. And of course, Archer is mad mostly because this is something that she's choosing to do without him and choosing to do as like her own power. And one of the quotes actually that I saved is like Archer's like deep fear of fire being so brave. And that's like one of the ones that I kind of like thought and like related to a little bit. It's something that it was after she like uh led the rafters away from the army as everyone was able to like run into a cave away from the rafter monsters. And Archer was talking to her and the quote is after a moment his eyes dropped from hers, his fingers realigned the forks on the table. I wish you were not so brave. She had no response to that. She was desperate sometimes and a little crazy, but she was not brave. One, I just really relate to that. (laughs) Just personally. But also, like, that's kind of Archer's whole thing is, like, I wish Fire was not brave so I could, like, keep her to myself, essentially. And so she's, she's not doing that in this situation. I found the quote about the suicide, which I think... I think we should move to the next section in the outline, which is plot twists in this book that are good, even if they are sad. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And that's where I wrote the theme of this book is everyone is a bastard <laughs> child. Um, And this is kind of classic Archer. They are arguing about whether or not Fire is going to help get two of the leaders of the rebellion to up into their rooms so they can be interrogated and killed. Mm-hmm. And Archer had been approaching Brigand slowly from across the room, and now he stood before the prince, barely seeming to breathe. You've no compunctions whatsoever about putting her in danger, he said. You're, she's a tool to you, and you're heartless as a rock. Fire's temper flared. Don't you call him heartless, Archer. He's the only person here who believes me. Oh, I believe you can do it, Archer said, his voice filling the corners of the room like a hiss. A woman who can stage the suicide of her own father can certainly kill a few Delians she's never met. Ooh. that threw me for a loop i had to text tucker and be like now wait a second what is he talking about i do not recall this happening didn't realize this was supposed to be a plot twist i thought i had just like missed it earlier <laughs> in the book i think it's definitely being hinted at because she like has nightmares about finding her father dead mm. and she talks about like throwing up for like a week after his death and like she like bursts an eye a blood vessel in her eye because yeah. she is like so sick with what she's done uh-huh. i just i guess i because he had been sh- cancer had been shot with an arrow and like was getting ill or something like that i don't think so he might have been oh he was shot with an arrow because brigand tried to kill him in the capital city yeah and for some reason i thought that's how he died Based on the nothing, I guess. <laughs> I was just making things up, but. <laughs> I, I do think this would be hard. But, like, it's so crazy as 15, at 15 to be like, and now I have to kill my father for the good of the kingdom. Yeah. I was like, alright. Slay. Very. She's right. Very Leia Skywalker coded. Slay or be slorn, as they <laughs> say. <laughs> this is very slay or be slorn. <laughs> Other plot twists. Uh, Rowan and Brock are being together, plus the betrayal of Alice. 
it is special to me that Brigan gets to have a steady father after the death of Max. Mm-hmm. Especially since Max, like, for now obvious reasons, didn't really, um, love Brigan. <laughs> no, because Brigan was clearly smarter than Nash and, mm-hmm. like, yeah. And, like, better at well, he assumed that he could just send Brigan off to command the army at, like, 18, and he would just do a terrible job and get himself killed. But turns out he was good at it. He really became beloved, yeah. which sucks for Nax. Yeah. But how, how did Nax die? Drugs. Oh, damn. Yeah. Yeah, that'll He happen. did a lot of drugs. That will happen. Okay, sick. So, like, that is, like, a good plot twist, but it is also very sad because there's always the issue of Alice. Mm-hmm. Um, here, let me, let me go to page 425 because I did want to read this passage. Fire understood in painful fits and starts why this hurt so much. It was not the war or Archer or Brigand. It was not the punishments the perpetrators hadn't foreseen. It was still Brocker's wife, Alice. It was the very small matter of what Brocker had done to Alice. Fire had thought she had two fathers who sat on opposite poles. Yet even understanding that her bad father had been capable of kindness, she had never allowed for the possibility that her good father might have been capable of cruelty or dishonor. Mm-hmm. She understood suddenly what a useless day and night way of thinking that was. There wasn't a simple person anywhere in this world. I'm tired of learning the truth of things, she said. Bro. Bro, me too. That hits. Cause same. Yeah. There is no like black and white and nobody is truly good and nobody is truly bad. This is something that I learned when I was, um, in the loony bin this summer <laughs> um, is that trust is not all or nothing. It is not like you either can 0% trust someone or 100% trust someone. It is like you can trust someone to like keep secrets and you can trust them to like guard your heart and you can trust them to like, you know, whatever. But, like, maybe they're a really bad driver and you, like, cannot trust them <laughs> to, like, get you to a location safely without incident. And, like, that's okay. That doesn't mean that you, uh, they, like, automatically are untrustworthy because of, like, you know, one thing that is not inherently good or bad. It's just, like, another facet of them. So, I was like, damn, Kristen, she's done it again. Well, and also, like, she gives her character space to puzzle through things and think through things. Mm-hmm. And, again, I'm saying it again. In first person, this would be cloying as hell. Yeah. Well, I think she does a lot better job of this in Fire than she does in Graceling, honestly. Like, in Graceling, they just kept, like, finding things out based on, like, nothing, essentially. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. <laughs> sure. Yeah. You made a connection. Yeah, but in this one, I think I was, like, a lot more surprised because there, I was, like, puzzling through it with the characters. Yeah, that makes sense. And because I missed really important plot points when I was just <laughs> listening to the audiobook. So that was also a surprise. That's why I drew the, the family tree is I was like, this is not the one to figure out the family tree on audiobook. Yeah. It is not helping you. Yeah, and that is tough. 
Um, another fun plot twist is that Brigan also has a bastard child. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He, like, fell in love with a, a girl who worked in the stables mm-hmm. and then got sent out to war. And when he came back, he just had a daughter. He just had 16. a daughter. He's a teen dad. And they hid her mm-hmm. because Nax and Cancerol were still alive. And they would have, like, tried to kill Hannah mm-hmm. or, like, use her in some way to get Brigan into line. Um, and we also find out that Tess, Hannah's caretaker, is Fire's grandmother. Her mom's mom. Yes. Yeah. And so, like, one, I think Hannah is great because it means that Fire gets to be a mother. Mm-hmm. And I think that Tess is great because I think Fire desperately does want family mm-hmm. and deserves to have a family. And has never had, like, a motherly figure in her whole life. Yeah. I really like when both Hannah and Tess's things come out and also when Brocker and Rowan's truth comes out that Fire, part of how Fire feels is the way that, like, I feel when I find things out. Which is, like, I don't understand why I wasn't trusted. Mm-hmm. Like, part of what she's feeling is not not hurt for Alice or, like, like part of what she's feeling is, like, what about me made it that they couldn't tell me? Mm-hmm. And that, I think, is very human. Yeah. Yeah. Especially as somebody who can read minds. <laughs> <laughs> Like, that'll, I think that'll get you. That'll throw you for a loop. What Garen says about Hannah is literally like, oh, that wasn't a deliberate choice not to tell you. Yeah. Like, all of us are so used to keeping Hannah's parentage under wraps Mm -hmm. that we simply do not tell people. Yeah. It is just a given that that is not, like, information that we share. Which is fair. Yeah. Like, like, fire is not... Like, not everything in the whole world is need to know. Yeah. I Another thing that I like about Garen specifically is I also think of him as, like, quite a real character when Fire is going through her, like, state of depression after Archer dies. And she's sort of just, like, laying in bed. Like, what am I to do now? Like, I have frostbitten fingers. My best friend is dead. Everyone else is going to die because this war is terrible. Like, what's the point? And Garen comes in and he's like, get the fuck up. Like, what are you? This is not like, I understand, like, feeling sad and feeling like pity for yourself as someone who is Garen, like, grew up sickly and is still sickly to this day and probably won't, like, live a long life. He, like, understands, like being depressed and being like downtrodden and being like concerned about the future and everything but he's like here's what doesn't help is wallowing (laughs) so can you get your ass up (laughs) nobody wants to work these days (laughs) but he also finds her a good solution exactly she's like but the work i do for the kingdom is in the spy rooms and i don't want to be in the spy rooms i don't want to do that it's gonna i i don't have the strength and she says i don't have the strength and he's like 
He's well, like, so sick. That's not what I'm asking you to do. <laughs> and he's also like, well, it's not that you don't have the physical strength. It's that you don't have the emotional fortitude. And that's okay. Yeah. We need you to go to the infirmary. Mm-hmm. We need you to calm people. We yeah. need you to take people's pain away so that they can heal. Yeah. Like, Which I think, I don't know. I just really liked that, like, Garen as a character because, like, he seems, like, really harsh and is, like, get your ass up. But also, he's doing it, like, for her. He says, um... Yeah, he says I literally, he says that he wants to shake her. Mm-hmm. I'm, lo- I'm looking for it because I, I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, because I also, we have a big section where we're going to talk about her grief. Um, fire closed her eyes. You want me to question someone? I'm sorry, Garen. I don't feel well enough. You'd feel better if you got up and stopped moping, he said bluntly. And anyway, it's not an interrogation we need you for. Fire was furious. You never took Archer into your heart. You care nothing for what happened. Garen spoke hotly. You can't see into my heart, or you wouldn't say such a stupid thing. I'm not leaving this room until you get up. There's a war going on, not a stone's throw from here, and I've had enough that's heavy on my mind without you wasting away like a self-absorbed brat. Do you want me to have to send a message to Brigan and Nash and Brocker one day, telling them you died of nothing in particular? You're making me ill, Fire, and I beg you, if you won't get up for yourself, do it for me. I'm not keen on dying. Oh, I just think that's such a good way, because when you are really, like, in that state of depression and, like, cannot get yourself up to do anything, like, the way to get you out of that is be like, okay, if you can't help yourself, like, help me. Help these people. <laughs> well, and she, like, sits up and she looks at him and he see- she sees how he looks. And she helps, like, calm him. And then he says, you've lost weight, he said to her finally, his unhappy eyes on her face. And you have this horrible, empty look in your eyes that makes me want to shake you. Because mm-hmm. he cares about her. Yeah. He does. I also love Garen. Yeah. Plot twists that are good and also sad. Final one. Me- Archer. Archer literally gets two women pregnant. And, like, within, like, a week of one Yeah, it happens. Something to- insane. Yeah. Well, I think the timeline of this book is kind of messy. I think she's in the King's City for, like, six months. Yeah. But, like, it's quick. Mm-hmm. And I am kind of a romantic about family ties. Mm. So I think it is really nice that Archer gets to live on. Mm. But, like... Am I happy that he slept with a 15-year-old? No. 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 Am I happy that, like, Clara knew about the abortion herbs but didn't take them and Mila didn't know about them or would have taken them? Mm. Also, no. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that it is really nice, though, for Fire and Brocker that, like, there's two little babies that look kind of like Archer running around. Mm. Yeah. And Clara also, I mean, Clara is, like, I love Clara. Because she, one, is not, like, I mean, she's, is she not considered a spy master along with Darren? Like, she she is. She's a spy master, but she also gives this facade that she is just, like, oh, I just like sleeping with people and fucking around and being a girl and going out. And one of the other quotes that I saved in the book, just like about Clara, 
is so funny to me. It says, um, she found it hard to believe of Clara following the princess around the palace, but now in Garen's presence, Clara's bearing changed to something shrewd and serious, and Fire understood that a woman who gabbed about satin umbrellas and her latest love affair might know quite well how to keep a secret, which I think is so sick and just really, like, encompasses who Clara is. Like, she's just like, yeah, I'm gonna, like, you know, talk shit about the newest satin umbrellas and, like, have sex with everyone I see, but also, like, I'm kind of, like, fucking sick, and I, like, have a job to do, (laughs) and I have secrets. (laughs) I, yeah, I think that Kristen understands that women are worth a lot in the court. Yeah, she does, and that women are worth a lot, like, on the battlefield as well. Like, well... Not so much in this one. Well, well, no, there's a lot of, like, female commanders. And soldiers, too. Mm-hmm. Because when they were refurbishing the army, Brigan was basically like, we're gonna pay you good, join the army. And people are like, oh, you're gonna pay us good? Mm-hmm. And then they came out. Yeah, don't mind if I do. Don't mind if I do. Um, Before we we give our treatise on fire, um... We're going to talk about the fact that this book is also good because there are beloved animals. Yeah. Hor- horse. Horse. <laughs> horse! <laughs> Fire has a horse named Small. Yeah. Who just, like, drools on her shoulder and is so smart and brave and lovely mm-hmm. and is not freaked out by her monsterness. And Small is so perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, incidentally, Brigan has a horse named Big. <laughs> and that means that Brigan and Fire were always supposed to fall in love. They were meant to be because they have small and big. And then there's also a really cool river horse that, um... I would like to know more about the river horse. I'm just saying. I would read a whole book about the river horse. <laughs> so when she gets kidnapped by... Uh, Lek. By Lek. She gets taken up to the estate of an animal smuggler, and when she burns down the house and lights lights a pyre for Archer, oh, that is so sad yeah. when the men keep saying, Archer is on the estate, Archer is on the estate, and she mm-hmm. can't feel his mind anywhere, and she mm-hmm. goes out behind the barn, and She's she finds like, yeah, his body. Archer is on the estate, but that's why I couldn't feel or hear him, because... <laughs> He's not in his body anymore. Oh, it's so sad. And mm-hmm. then she burns the whole place down and then gets on the river horse. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> up, there's one part when she's like riding away from the estate and she says like she was knocked off her horse by a raptor and somehow the river horse killed it. She doesn't know how. She was flopped on the ground in a pile. <laughs> yeah. And then like... The river horse is like, get back up, bitch. We Basically, got to be. we gotta go. Like several times. That's why I want to know more about the river horse, which, by the way, is um aptly named horse by Hannah. So. <laughs> Big, small, and horse. Big, small, and horse. <laughs> yeah, I think that it is like, I think that it is fun to have characters who are surprised that they inspire loyalty. Mm-hmm. Um, and Fire is surprised that she inspires loyalty, and the River Horse 
for some reason is very loyal to her and it's not like fire is like controlling the brain of the river horse she literally falls off the horse at one point because she gets too tired to remember to hold on mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the horse is like fucking bitch <laughs> like can you making me get you back on again and then it lays on the ground and is like come on <laughs> dumbass yeah okay time for the treatise on fire the yeah, character okay. not the book mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um I think that Fire is really cool because she is, like, very soft and she's very fierce at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, she's, like, very, very different than Katza in the way that she is damaged because mm-hmm. Katza is damaged in that she feels stupid and brutish. Mm. And Fire never feels stupid. Yeah. She feels untrusted mm-hmm. and tired mm-hmm. and, like... Also, like, she might be as just, like, a creature inherently, I think, sometimes wrestles with the idea that she could just, like, become evil. Mm-hmm. Like, she's like, well, my dad was evil. Mm-hmm. What if I just start taking over people's brains? Yeah, I think, like, they, they're mostly different, but the way in which Katza and Fire are similar is they are both, like, so fearful of being used as a weapon. Yes. Yeah, which is fair. Which I think will be really interesting with Bitter Blue because Bitter Blue is not graced. And she is not a lady monster. She is really just a human woman. Okay. And so... Spoilers! She is very... Po- I mean, she is queen. So yeah. she is very powerful, but, like, half of what she's doing is just, like, trying to keep her advisors from committing suicide because they're all so <laughs> depressed about... What Lek did to them and the kingdom. Like, wait. And this is the, Bitter Blue is also the longest book of the three, so I can't wait for that. Ah! Well, we'll get to it. Anyway. Um. Fire. I think that both of them have like really deep seated senses of justice. Uh huh. Um, she also like is very fierce and she, Mm, no she's very soft she doesn't really know how to accept love but she wants it desperately Mm -hmm. she says at one point to nash at the end when she is coming out of her her grief spiral she says to nash you're good at love she said simply because it seemed to her that it was true i'm not so good at love i'm like a barbed creature i push everyone i love away he shrugged i don't mind you pushing me away if it means you love me little sister the Nash redemption arc is yeah, very dude. real in this book. Very real. She also is, like, very, very aware and wants to make sure that people know that just as she has barbed edges, like, she is unafraid of their barbed edges. Mm. It was a horrible thing to watch, actually, Brigand killing Gunner. He smashed his sword hilt into Gunner's face so hard Gunner's face changed shape. He kicked Gunner full onto his back and his expression smooth and focused drove his sword into Gunner's heart. That was it. It was so quick and so brutal and then he was upon her, worried, helping her to the sofa, finding a cloth for her face, all too fast for her to take control of the horror she was sending out to him. He felt it and understood it. His own face closed. His inspection of her injuries changed to something clinical and emotionless. She caught his sleeve. It startled me, she whispered. That's all. There was shame in his eyes. She held tighter to his sleeve. 
I won't let you be ashamed before me, she said. Please, Brigham, you're the same. What I do only looks less horrible. And, she added, understanding it only as she said it, even if this part of you frightens me, I have no choice but to like it, for it's a part of you that will keep you safe in the war. I want you to live. I want you to kill those who would kill you. Imagine being the most tired you have ever been. A very large man just broke your nose and having the space and the like emotional understanding and and like fortitude to be like, I have to fix this right now. Mm hmm. Like I did just get my nose broken and I got knocked to the ground and knocked unconscious. And I did just watch the love of my life murder two people in front of me. However, I cannot let him feel bad about it because <laughs> it was for the for the greater good. Well, but it's like that's like one of her characteristics that I think is really like rational and realistic is she's like, ah, he just killed two people in front of me. And that was scary. <laughs> and then also rational for her to be like, I need to make sure Brigham does not think I am frightened of him. Yeah. And that I like dislike this part of him. Mm hmm. Um, she's also very brave. Mm-hmm. She, the sickest part of this book, to me, um, is when she decides to save everyone from the raptor monsters. Like, Brigand hates her. Both Nash and Brigand have, like, assaulted her in the hallway that night. Mm -hmm. And she finds out that the first is leaving the, like, fort and that there's going to be a bottleneck situation where the raptor monsters are going to try to kill them. So she sneaks out the door and, like, rides behind the raptor monsters. And once there starts to be a bottleneck, she, like, removes, shows her hair, gets the raptors to notice her, and then, like, rides as fast as she can. And it's beautifully written. Mm -hmm. An archer, like, is shooting arrows faster than fire knew he could shoot them. <laughs> and just, like... It's fun. Mm -hmm. Not a lot of this book is fun. Yeah. But she said, you said she's brave, but she said, I'm not brave. I'm like crazy and desperate, but, and maybe a little stupid, but I am I'm not brave, but she is brave. Well, and that was another line in the book. Shoot. I don't think I took a picture of it, but there's a line in here. Let me see if I can find it. Talk about it. Well, is it, um, is it when she, there's also a line at the end of the raptor monster fight specifically where she where people are asking her why she did it and she can't really articulate it out loud because it is more of like a feeling of like i i must atone for my father's sins and people need to understand that i care about the dells and that i want to keep them safe and if that means doing things like this then i will do it Mm -hmm. out of a sense of both care for the Dells and, like, penance for the life of my father. Mm -hmm. She's got a lot going in her brain for a 17-year-old, I gotta say. Yeah, she's 17 or 18? She's 17. God. She might have her birthday, though. Oh, she does in January, or July, at the end of July. Did you find it? That line. No, it's something about how she's like, I am not this way and I can't remember if she's talking to Brigham oh. or Nash and she's like I'm not this way and he's oh. like it I'm also not this way and she's like no you are that way sometimes it's easier to see how people are like as an outsider than it is to see that in yourself oh wait 
Oh yeah, you may always have whatever strength I have. Oh girl, that's in the outline. Oh my (laughs) fool. This is, I think I put it in there because this is one of my favorite passages. Mm. Fire, he said, will you forgive me if your beauty is a comfort? Which is the first time that Brigham has ever acknowledged that, like, he might be affected by her beauty. Yeah. She propped herself on an elbow, looking back at him, astonished. Will you forgive me if I take my strength from yours? You may always have whatever strength I have, but you're the stronger, strong one, Fire. Right now, I don't feel strong. I think she said that sometimes we don't feel the things that we are, but others can feel them. I feel your strength. And then she saw that his cheeks were wet. Because he's crying. Because he's 23 and he's running a war. Mm -hmm. Sorry, love. I know I'm with you. Fire is also sick because she is capable of incredibly capable choices. Like when she literally sterilizes herself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. She goes. She's in the King's City. It's right after she finds out both Mila and Clara are pregnant, mm-hmm. and then she, kind of in the way that, like, women with, like, fertility issues will, where they'll, like, their boobs will get a little sore before their period. She, like, convinces herself that she's pregnant, even though she has not had sex. Yeah. Because she, like, wants so badly to be able to have a child Mm -hmm. and then like goes to the healers and is like give me the herbs the herbs is always the herbs make this shit barren yeah and it's sad this is what i need to do yep it is sad well and we've already talked quite a bit about this but like she literally kills her own father for the good of the kingdom Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and she says kind of exasperatedly like after the truth comes out like I don't need to explain to you all of the reasons that Cancel needs to die, needed to die. And yeah. everyone's kind of like, okay. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> you don't need to explain. We get it. Yeah, he does suck. That we do know. Oh, grief time. <laughs> grief time. Um, so Archer dies and Fire immediately becomes like despondent. Despondent. Mm-hmm. She, spends a lot of time trying to spend time with people who did not know Archer because they were more capable of accepting Fire's grief. Mm. Because the people who did know Archer mostly knew him from his bad behavior at court, Mm -hmm. such as getting the princess pregnant Mm -hmm. and also getting one of uh, Fire's guards pregnant. So, like, when her guard finds her in the wilderness after she escapes the estate, like, Fire, like, turns away from them because their grief is tinged by, like, like, they're grieving for... disdain for Archer. Yeah, they're, like, grieving for Mila because her baby daddy is dead. Mm -hmm. They're not grieving for Archer. Mm -hmm. Um, the point in this book that makes me cry is Fire is, like, so, so, so angry with him for being a soldier and won't talk to him. Him and Brigan. Brigan. And then Nash comes back to camp and his unit had ridden by King's City and he picks up her horse because Brigand told him to. Mm-hmm. And Fire, who has been like working in the infirmary, Garen had gotten her out of bed, but she was still very, very sad. She like goes to Nash goes to her and says like, your horse is here. And she's mm-hmm. like, yeah, I'm looking at the river horse. She's mm-hmm. outside the fort. And he's like, no, has a kind of silly name. 
Mm-hmm. Like brown, mm-hmm. and fire is like sprinting across the fort mm-hmm. and goes into to Small's stall and just loses her shit. Yeah, I like the way that um Kristen describes it in that scene where like she's been crying because Archer died, and she's been crying because she was kidnapped by Leg, and she's been crying like for all of these reasons, but she does not cry as hard as when she sees Small again for the first time. She had cried so often and so much since she found Archer's body, cried at the slightest things, always silent tears rolling down her face. The way she began to cry when she saw Small, plain and quiet with his hair in his eyes, pressing against his stall door to reach her, was different. She thought she might choke from the violence of these sobs or rip something inside her. It's my fault, she said to Small over and over. Oh, Small, it's my fault. I was supposed to be the one to die, not Archer. Archer was never supposed to die. After a long time, she cried herself to a place where she understood that it was not her fault. And then she cried more from the simple grief of knowing that he was gone. Ah! Yeah. And then she falls asleep in the horse's stall. Yeah, she falls asleep with Small. Because he's comforting. I... Brigham is really the only good man. Do we need to get to that point already? <laughs> no, that's okay. That's okay. We can keep talking about grief. Um, mostly because Kristen really gets it. I really mm. wonder if she like had the little stages of grief up next to her outline <laughs> while like trying to move cats up. Cats up! While trying to move fire through them. Mm-hmm. Um, like, Fire's having a bad time. Yeah. She says to Garen, I don't think I'm moping exactly. I don't feel entirely connected to myself. Mm-hmm. She says that she wished she could wrap her arms around this woman who cried for Archer and whose belly was round with Archer's baby. She wished she could melt into her. Musa. 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 Musa is trying to update her on the war, and Fire closed her eyes, trying to bear the pressure of all this meaningless, horrible news. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. When she sees Brigham for the first time, when she is found safe, um, she, like, won't talk to him, and he's like, okay, I love you. I hope that in the coming days it may comfort you to know that. All Mm -hmm. I ask of you is that you try to eat Fire and sleep, no matter how you feel. Eat and sleep, and send me word. So I know how you are. Tell me if there's anyone or anything I can send to you. Mm-hmm. Brigham is Brigham is Emily Tucker coded. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where I'm like, okay, we don't have to talk about it, but like, do you need some soup? <laughs> like, <laughs> can I? Can I like? Can I like unburden you in some physical way yeah. since I don't really have the chops to unburden you in an emotional way? Aww. And and Brigham does have the chops to mm. unburden her in an emotional way, which is why he gives her the space that she asks for. Mm-hmm. But like he's like, Okay, well, if you're gonna be really sad, at least I can like get you your horse. What about a horsey? But that makes it better because <laughs> Brigham also loves horses. Well, and when the man smashes her violin and uh-huh. the first thing he does when he gets home is make sure that someone brings her another violin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can we talk about, okay, in the only good man section, can we mention the man that brought her his own fiddle? Crow! Crow! 
He's the only good man. <laughs> he is. Um, when, so Fire is a very talented fiddle player because in medieval, medieval times, it's always the fiddle. <laughs> and she is playing her violin as she is traveling to King City and one of the men takes offense to it and he tricks the guards into letting him in and smashes her fiddle. And one of the other men who she is traveling with, who is like big and scary and imposing, like brings her his fiddle that looks like a child's toy in his arms and basically says like, I will consent to you being the fiddle player for the king because you are a beautiful musician and I like, I like want there to be music. I want you to have this. Yeah. He's like, this is my fiddle, but like, Please take it because you need it more than I do. And she's like, okay, thank you. <laughs> well, and like, that's just classic Kristen. Mm-hmm. She really gets it. Mm-hmm. She understands like what it is to like care for people, strangers or otherwise. Uh-huh. And not like extremely like straightforward and like just like i care for you ways it's like let me bring you a fiddle i me as an unknown man who like is inarguably frightening and like this whole time fire is like literally having to like ward off all these like men in the army who are trying to like attack her or like have sex with her or like whatever and she has to be guarded 24 7 during this time and a large frightening man comes up and her guard is like is he good like do we trust this guy (laughs) and fire's like i yeah like he has no ill intent which is odd because like men are so scary and he's like no please take my fiddle ma'am that's all i want she's like oh okay (laughs) yeah it's really sweet Mm -hmm. um i also think the last thing that we should say about fire is like and then i think maybe this should be comp con mm, mm-hmm. um mm, yeah i agree Kristen has written a character who is kind of the epitome of while well, she was asking for it mm. according to like everyone who is not her mm-hmm. in the same way that like we as a society understand that women are not asking for it there are people in the dells who understand that she is not mm-hmm. but by virtue of like being a monstrously beautiful woman who like literally is like giving off a pheromone that says come on over here mm-hmm. like It is, I think, very cool of Kristen to, like, make it very clear that, like, the people who are villains in this story are, like, the people who think that she is asking for it. Mm Mm-hmm. Did you write her body a cheat code? (laughs) I did write her body a cheat code. Damn it, sucker. What? Her body a cheat code. Um, yeah, yeah, I do appreciate that. At one point, I was getting, like, a little bit annoyed at the beginning, where it was, like, all we're talking about is men wanting to sexually assault her, and that is really, like, (laughs) exhausting. Exhausting. But then, you know, Kristen is writing it that way for a reason, so you recognize that, like, it is 
not fire. It is like these bad men. Exactly. And they are like, it is like constant. Like that is the thing that like you are supposed to recognize. If you're getting exhausted by it, imagine how fire has felt her entire life. Well, and I think that also, like, Fire had been very isolated, so I think that also Kristen was kind of trying to be like, and then she left isolation. And this is what happens. Yeah. 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 Okay, we're on to the perfect man. Obviously, first one, Krell. Oh, yeah, he gives her his fiddle. Yeah. We love him. So he's a perfect man. But besides him... (laughs) We have Brigan. Mm-hmm. I don't really think we need to talk about Archer because their relationship no, is basically it's basically over when the book begins. Like she's yeah. kinda there's a part where she says like he kissed her goodnight and Fire was left wanting that her mind was not so stingy. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> He's I, just not the perfect man. The way that Fire talks about Brigan, I think, is really wonderful. She says that he, like, at one point she refers to the stubborn, steady feeling of him. And when she is angry at him while she is grieving and says essentially the same thing that she said to Garen, which is like, you never liked Archer. Mm -hmm. He says, I had my own regard for Archer. And besides, it hardly matters because you love him and I love you and your grief brings me grief. There is nothing in Archer's death but sadness. Mm -hmm. Everyone. I just got goosebumps. (laughs) Everyone in these books is so articulate. One of my favorite things, this is a little bit of an aside, but has to do with articulation. One of my, like, favorite, like, constant quotes from the book is when somebody says something, like, rash or, like, hurtful or whatever, and immediately they say, I wish it unsaid. I don't know why I love that so much. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yes, medieval speak. Not saying, sorry I said that. It's, I wish it unsaid. I would like to say that more. And you know what? We do wish it unsaid we sometimes. We wish it unsaid. Yeah. Um, he never lets fire, like, overpower him for his own pleasure. Like, he never, like, looks at her and is, like, like, he's, and part of that, I think, is because he is, like, very singularly focused. He's very mission-oriented. I do wonder why he specifically is so, like, immune to fire's capabilities. Just because well, he is... I think partially That's it's good genes. Yeah. Like, Brocker is Brocker very strong-minded, and, Rowan, and Rowan is very strong-minded, and mm-hmm. also, Rowan probably spent his entire life trying to make sure that he was Ooh. strong-minded, because he knew, yeah. like, Cancerol and Nax knew he was a bastard, mm-hmm. and if Cancerol could see into his mind and take control of him, who knows mm, okay. what would have come to pass. Smart, smart. I get it. Um, Another thing that proves that uh, Brigand is the perfect man is Brocker is like, like, he's very kind to horses. Like, he could probably, probably, like, get the river horse to be, like, broken and wear a saddle. And (laughs) Fire is like, what horse wouldn't be inclined? (laughs) Which I think is how you can tell she's really down bad. Yeah, she's so down bad. She's like, damn, if I were that horse. (laughs) (laughs) He also, he gets her the fiddle. Mm -hmm. There's the three kindnesses when they're becoming friends. 
because he is kind to her horse. Mm -hmm. He is always kind to her horse, even Mm -hmm. when he is hating her. Like, Mm -hmm. at the beginning, when she is asleep in Small's stall, Mm -hmm. and Small wakes her up, and she accidentally hears, like, a very intense conversation between Brigham and his mother, Mm -hmm. and then he reaches over and pets her horse and is like, Oh, well, we can't help who our owners are, can we? (laughs) And Fire is, like, down there on the ground, like, fuck you for being nice to my horse and saying something mean about me at the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I feel like... He valid for that, though. I just, I feel like we have talked about how much we care about Brigham. Mm -hmm. Also, Brigham had been told that she killed Cancerol, like, before she joined his unit. Yeah. Yeah, so, and why was he so mad at her then? If he, I guess because she could kill Cancerol and still be like Cancerol, I guess. So that is, like, I guess. <laughs> I think he looked at her with less hatred, but mm-hmm. no less distrust. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I think that was kind of yes. where he reached. Yeah. And that is fair. So the perfect man, Krell, and then, if not Krell, Brigham. Brigham... I really am like, it is nice to me to read these books and love these books and not be like, and he was a 600-year-old man and she was a 17-year-old human girl. You know? Like, thank God. Yeah, he's just some guy. Yeah, I agree with that. He's just some guy. Mm -hmm. And like, that's the thing about all the Tamora Pierce books is there's only one one relationship where I'm like, hmm, you knew her when she was 14. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, Brigham is good. What more is there to say? Really, there are no other perfect men. I mean, that's kind of the whole point of the book, or not the whole point of the book, but the whole point of the quote that we read earlier where, you know, there is not one perfect person there is not someone who only does good and someone who only does bad which i guess that is kind of the point of the book the point of the book is not everyone is good or bad and everyone is a bastard child (laughs) and with that this is that all my friends are english majors hell yeah follow us on instagram at english majors pod send us an email at english majors pod at gmail.com next week we'll be talking about bitter blue and then we will do comp con exciting stuff and then February, Valentine's Day, we're reading Fifty Shades. Oh, God. (laughs) So we'll see you then. Bye. Bye.